Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 163 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Joanne Burnett. Burnett. I don't know why I had to say it that way. Burnett. (laughs) Joanne lives in St. Petersburg, Florida with her husband and two daughters. She's a lawyer turned career advisor turned branding advisor with Bliss Consulting, a digital marketing firm she runs with her best friend. A firm believer that everyone needs a side hustle, Joanne and her husband founded Carabiner Kids, a kids climbing wall kit company during the pandemic. In her spare time, she enjoys bike rides with her family, exploring St. Petersburg, and roller skating. And most importantly, she's also celebrating her one-year sugarversary, which was earlier this month. And she, along with Erica, who we heard from a few weeks ago, went through my group coaching program and is here to share her story. So welcome, Joanne. So excited that you're here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. It's so great to see you. I know. So good to see you. I miss, I always miss like when the coaching is over, I always miss seeing everyone and checking in with everyone. So this is so fun. This is really special for me to have Erica and now you on. Um, It's just so meaningful for me. So just let's dig into telling us, you know, your story, um, you know, how you came to find me and the coaching, but really kind of your own journey and how that all started as far back as, as you want to go or that you can remember. Sure. Sure. So I really owe everything to Erica. Um, She is the one that really introduced me to you and your program and, and what happened. Um, It was kind of a random day. I was um, in a, in another job at that point. And I just felt the need to call her. I hadn't talked to her in a while. And I thought, oh, I'm going to call Erica and just catch up with her. And I asked her how she was doing, like not how she was doing as a mom or as a lawyer, but just like how she was doing as a person. And then she started to share her journey in finding you and the podcast. And the couple of phrases that I remember her saying that really resonated with me were mental chatter. Um, that resonated with me so much. And I remember her saying that, that, you know, at that point she had been kind of sugar and flour free for a little bit and just the mental chatter had stopped. And that for me really, I hadn't really ever heard it phrased that way, but that moment I realized, oh, wow, I have so much of that. So, so much of my brain was consumed with, you know, the thought of like sugar and flour specifically, I will say the, the, the powers that combine when sugar and flour combine. So less about purely sugar and less about purely flour, but when they combined and I had tried several things in the past, you know, you name it, um, restricting points, noom, you know, the list goes on and on of different ways of moderation and nothing had ever really 
clicked for me. Like the idea of just like, you know, I heard about stopping eating bread or carbs, but, and then stop sugar, but never really the idea of what those two ingredients combined and stopping them would do. And so really at that point, Erica said, you know, we're about to start this class. And I just kind of knew pretty, like pretty immediately that this is something I needed to do and try and explore. Um, and so I took the course and my husband actually, he didn't take the course with me, but he agreed, you know, we agreed on November 1st, um, to just stop eating sugar and flour. And it really was an incredible journey. Um, and I think the magic of having a close friend, um, go through it too. And obviously my husband who was so supportive, go through it too, was that plus the community, I think really were the main tools that allowed me to kind of go on this journey. Mm, I love it. And I really love that your husband did this with you, which we will get back to, but talk to us a little bit more about even like, you know, when you first started maybe realizing that there might've been an addiction or, you know, even if it's goes back to your childhood, do you have memories of kind of always struggling with eating it in moderation or what did it look like for you kind of growing up? Cause for a lot of addicts, it starts so early in childhood. Like a lot of us have memories, like I do at a very young age of not being able to moderate at all. I don't know that I have a specific memory. I do think the thing that has always been constant is thinking about like, you know, if I'm going out somewhere, where can I go and get a snack? And the snack is always kind of like a sugary flowery thing. Like, where can I go and get that? Um, And so I don't remember really not ever thinking about that. It always has been like, again, this mental chatter, this, this like, you know, the background music of my life has been, when am I going to get, you know, when am I going to eat a cookie or when am I going to have brownie? Or when we do this with dinner, what will we have a dessert? That sort of um, chatter has always been there. Now I can certainly remember, you know, younger, you know, always wanting an extra piece of cake or something like that. Um, but it, it always has just been the background noise always. Um, and I think, it kind of, when I started, when I had kids and I started thinking about the foods that we were putting into their body and I started learning more about the way we talk to kids about food, the way we are historically rewarded with food, that's when it all started to come up for me. Like, oh, wow, food is just such a, it's just such a theme in everything. Like I, it was hard for me to imagine even starting this journey, like, how will I celebrate something without a treat, right? How will I do that? How will I, how will I bring my kids into this journey with me um, without, you know, whether or not they will ever say that they have an addiction? I don't know. I mean, I certainly hope not. Um, And even that word has always been uncomfortable for me to really think about it in terms of that way. I recognize what it has done to me. Um, and I certainly feel the freedom of not having it, but this, this idea is just always kind of been there. Like, I don't know if I have like a moment, um, but what I, I tell the, the profoundness of when Erica said mental chatter, and that like, it was such a moment for me. I was like, oh my God, that's what it is. 
it's just always in my head. Yes. And it's so exhausting that constant, mm-hmm. like, are you going to eat this? Are you going to eat that? Are we going to be good? Are we going to be bad? Da, 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 yes. da, da. Like, yes. It just takes up yes. so much of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It's so ingrained too. It's interesting to think about just how ingrained it is. Like, you know, the diet culture and mm-hmm. something that I'm really, really sensitive about is rewarding with food with my own yes. kids. And, you know, it's so easy to do it though. I've caught myself wanting to do it before, even if it's something like healthy or something, you know, something that I feel like is okay it's still setting them up for that um, connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, I'm having a hard day. I deserve a little treat. I having a great day. I celebrate. I deserve a little treat. And then suddenly, yeah, when it comes to, you know, f- suddenly we're having like, find some reason basically to have a treat every single day. And then really it's no longer, you know, right. Treat. Right. everyday thing. So I'm um, so glad to, to Erica, who who's probably listening and, and grateful <laughs> that she connected us because this group was such a, a special group. And so, um, and then, yeah, you said, so November 1st, it's been a year now. So that's yes. so huge. Congratulations. And as you look back over that year, you know, talk to us about some of the victories you've had, you know, some of the challenges you've already kind of talked a little bit about that whole, well, how do I celebrate something then? Like, so how did you kind of navigate that and, 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 you know, talk to us a little bit about that? Well, I think in a, in a strange way, um, no, you know, we were still sort of in a pandemic during that time. And so there wasn't a lot of going out, at least in my family, we stayed pretty close to home. Um, so I do think that helped. And I think, you know, the holidays were like the first holidays were interesting, but you know, your, the idea of starting November 1st, I think was such a good idea. And I know you've talked about this on your other podcast episodes too, but just the idea of like, you can get some grounding before the holidays. Um, my family celebrates Thanksgiving and Christmas and new years. And, um, the idea that I had some grounding before those holidays was super important to me. And the fact that I had the support of my husband, um, you know, we had a a smaller holiday because of the pandemic. And so I think it was just easy to sort of have control um, over the foods that we ate, over the foods that we didn't eat. It just, it seemed more contained than in previous years. And then, you know, I was going through, and one of the reasons why it was so important for me to sort of start this journey when I did, and again, I'll just always be grateful to Erica, is that, you know, I was about to go into a lot of life transitions. I was changing careers. Uh, We were going to be moving into a new house. Um, We were, you know, adding members of our family to our home and, so now we have you know, four generations in my home, which is this magical thing. Um, but I knew that that would present a lot of challenges for me. And I didn't want to rely on food the way I had. Um, I was going to be switching to, you know, completely working at home. And that was scary for me. So I knew I needed some tools before I kind of went into all of these big life changes. Um, but my first birthday, so my birthday is in May and it was... I, my kids were so confused why I like didn't want cake on my birthday because it's such a, it's such a thing. Right. Um, but I was able to have good conversations with them about, you know, this is my birthday. So I get to decide what I want. And 
I had a smoothie um, <laughs> and I felt really good about it. And it was a pretty low key birthday and it felt like the right way to sort of have that day, right? I felt like I had control over it. Um, and then, you know, we're, we've had several holidays and celebrations since then. And I really um, am surprised how few cravings I have for like, like I can comfortably take my kids out to ice cream. I really can. I don't feel that urge um, to have those things. Every once in a while, sure, it comes up. Um, but by and large, like I can be around cake and cookies and it doesn't bother me. Halloween, um, just this past Halloween, I really wasn't phased by anything. So I'm kind of amazed at like how those muscles, I guess, have grown. Those resistance muscles have grown um, by kind of going through that process of, you know, eliminating it from my diet and my world. Um, but, you know, I, I can, there's, you know, there's some sweets in my home that my children and mom and grandma enjoy. And I really don't feel, I don't feel that urge. And I never would have ever believed that I could say that out loud. I just never, I would have said, yeah, right. <laughs> to anyone who would say that, but it is really true. I don't have, um, those cravings anymore. I'm so impressed you that like for this group, cause we started in October, right before the holidays. I know for me, myself, I was like, oh, there's no way I decided to start after the holidays. So I'm always like so impressed and inspired by you guys. Cause you started before with that intention, like you said, getting some grounding and coming out of the holidays on the other end in such a different way. Like, that's what I'm curious about too. Although I do would like to say, you know, you did start the day after Halloween. Did you enjoy some Halloween candy first? And then, yeah. Say, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I remember, I remember, and I remember talking about this in the group and um, I think I was having a slow goodbye at that point. So I had started kind of saying goodbye to things like, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before November 1st, but the thing that I was holding on to the most and probably what the only thing I would have had on October 31st would have been, um, like sweetened creamer in my coffee. Like for me, that was one of the hardest things to let go of. Um, and I, you know, I'm still in contact with my small group from your sessions and we are, you know, we, we use Marco Polo and we probably Marco Polo, like at least once or twice a week, if not more, depending on our life. Um, but we kind of joke about that often. Like my coffee was the thing that I could not imagine starting my day without sweetened creamer. Um, and so what do of, you do now <clears throat> for so people now, listening? Cause I'm yeah. not a coffee drinker. So this wasn't one of my challenges. So what so, people listening, they're like, we're with you. We don't know. What do you do? No, my people, I can't give it up. my people. So I did, obviously I did not give up coffee. Um, that seemed way too extreme for me, but I have fallen in love with um, half and half. And that works really well for me. And there's um, a drink that I can order a breve, which is an unsweetened iced latte with half and half. And that is such a joy for me. And a couple of maybe like two months ago, I ordered one and it was, it, it was someone had this sweetened it on accident as that happens sometimes. And I took a sip of it and instantly I was like, Oh, like I could, it just tasted so bad. Um, it just, 
it was like sharp on my tongue almost. And I remember talking to Erica about that being like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how far I've come where now I just want, I mean, I like a lot of cream in my coffee. Um, and, but that is so satisfying for me. And it really, um, that does the trick. So that is how I've replaced that part of my life. And I do think I work well off replacements. Um, and we talked about that in our group sessions, like, can you find a substitute for X that, that is satisfying? And I have found, um, I have found some that make sense for me. And so, you know, I can live with those rules and that feels, that feels right for me. Yeah. And we're hitting on some things there that are really important is like being able well, first of all, not having to give up too much. Like that's my whole philosophy. And I know there's other groups that are a lot more strict and that works for them, which is great, but you don't have to, like, I know there's some people that are like, Oh, caffeine's addictive. We got to give up all caffeine. You know, I don't necessarily believe that. And I like my iced green tea, which I'm drinking right now. I just don't like coffee. It's nothing to do with the caffeine. I just don't like the taste of it. So yeah, for me, like there's some people, they look forward to that so much every day. I don't want to take that away. And if you give up too much, it makes it, it's not sustainable. So like we talked about a lot. Yeah. What can we do to make that still feel like, and now you really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then it also shows like how much your taste buds can change, yes. you know, because I've also had the same thing where I've had my tea sweetened before and I'm like, like I had to like spit it out. It's so too much. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, it's amazing when you think, oh, I cannot live without my sweetened creamer, where actually you can, you know, once you start, but you have to find that thing that replaces it, that's still enjoyable. Yes. I feel like if we restrict too much or I don't know, I just don't think it's sustainable. If you feel like you're really like not enjoying, I want food and drinks to still be enjoyable, you know, cause I think that's part, I do think food should be enjoyable. And I've noticed for me, it's just changed what I have found enjoyable. Now that my Absolutely. taste buds have changed, I love like Brussels sprouts are very mm -hmm. enjoyable, where I don't know if that would have been something that was before. So yeah, it's making those switches and finding in and finding those things. So coffee is a really, yeah, that's a big one for a lot of people. Yes. And now you found your drink too, that you can order. <laughs> so it still feels like a treat of some kind, which is it does. Good. Yes, yeah. it surely does. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So talk more about like your, is your husband still not doing sugar and flour? So that's amazing. And how, mm -hmm. what, what benefits he has seen? Cause maybe he wasn't someone that was necessarily, you know, addicted. I don't know if he had those same mental chat or thoughts about it that you did. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what his benefits kind of been. I think, you know, together we've just been able to, um, you know, in, in many ways, eat cleaner, right? Um, this certainly helps now, you know, like has some flour snuck in when we're going out? Yes, I'm sure it has, right? And I think when we realize that happens, me so more than him, I think it's more like, okay, just really, and you really taught us this, like, okay, assessing, like not freaking out, like if you got floured on accident or you got sugared on accident, 
you know, like not freaking out about it, but just sort of like taking a beat and just listening to your body. Like, what is your body telling you now? Is your body telling you that you want more? Is your body, you know, is your body not feeling good? And then just learning from those lessons. And so I think we've been able to find some really comfortable lanes for us, like to go out, right? Um, and, you know, to enjoy a date night without feeling so worried about, um, will this have this, will this have this, like we have some rules that we, you know, we follow. And, um, I think for me, I think that's, it's, it's a good for us both. Um, but I think the biggest benefit for me is like, again, freeing up the headspace that I once had filled with like brownies, cookies, <laughs> ice cream. Um, now you're focusing on your businesses yes. and yes. kids, which you have enough to fill your yes. mind with. You don't yeah. need the food chatter too. Absolutely. And I think, um, I've noticed my mood is better when I'm in a bad mood. I'm able to better understand why versus kind of always feeling like I was in like a high stress state. Um, I've noticed I'm a lot calmer with my kids, Um, I've noticed just how I respond to being around food. Like if someone would bring in cookies, like I'm not just constantly obsessed with, can I have one more? Like, what will it look like if I have one more? Like, is there enough for other people when I'm there? Um, has everyone had enough? Could I go back and get a second one? It's just that constant loop in your brain that I just no longer have. Um, so I think again, it just freed up space for me to, enjoy more of my life, um, focus more on, you know, things that I want for my future, more things I want for my family. And I think, um, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to really do this without my husband doing it. Um, and so I'm really grateful that, you know, he hopped on board too. And it's just now become a bit of a routine and a bit of like, just kind of second nature at this point. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause not everybody that does this has that benefit of their partner doing it with them and then you also have so how old are your girls I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old so and let's talk about that a little bit too what that's like um Mm -hmm. because this for me and I probably I've said this on here before it's not it's something a work in progress for me I think Uh, It's very triggering for me to see my kids get a lot of sugar and have a lot of sugar because I just like want to protect them from it. I feel like I wish someone had looked out for me a little bit and I don't want them to struggle the same way that I did, but it's really something I have to be, but I also don't want to like, you know, they don't need to abstain completely, obviously, and they don't. Um, And we still eat like they eat like a lot of bread and flour stuff. It's more like the sugary treat stuff you know, that really, so you said like you took your kids out for ice cream. Like, how do you, um, yeah, I think I'm still looking for tips on that, how you kind of navigate that balance of letting them enjoy some treats in moderation, but not necessarily maybe as much as like the normal typical family might do too, where there's just no kind of awareness around, how much they're eating and how that really affects kids, you know, at a, at an early age, you know, like mentally, Um, physically, so many different ways. I do. I do understand what you say. Like I am on heightened alert. I do. Um, I get a little anxious when there's a lot of sugar around them. Um, but there's some great resources that have helped me. And one is a, there's a creator, um, and an author, um, who's, 
that her name, I forget her actual name, forgive me, but it, she goes by Kids Eat in Color. So you can find her on social media and she has a website, Kids Eat in Color. And her philosophy is the idea of in some ways, and I don't want to speak for her obviously, but in, how I interpret it is sort of normalizing all foods. And so as an example, like when I give my kids dinner, you know, her, her founding rules are like, you are responsible for what you feed your kids. Your kids are responsible for what they eat. Um, and that has so basically don't them. put anything on their plate that you don't want them to eat. So sure, you're, sure, you put sure. whatever on the plate that they're comfortable eating and yes. their job is to eat it. Your job is to put it on the plate. Yeah. Right. I like and that. With, and with that comes the idea of not calling something dessert, um, or having a, you can have this when you have this, it's just like, if I'm going to serve a cookie with dinner, I'm going to serve a cookie with dinner. And so I will just put a cookie on their plate and trying to just normalize it and not make it a thing. Now that is really, really, really hard, right? These are aspirational days, but like, that is what we really try to do is to try to not reward with food, right? Which is tricky, like, especially at places at the doctor's office where, you know, when you leave the doctor's office, what do you get, right? You get a lollipop. Um, so trying not to make a big deal when it happens, but really trying to at home, you know, if my kids say, can I have a piece of candy? You know, you can have candy with your dinner and, you know, like you can have one piece of candy with your dinner and trying to not deprive them of it, but trying not to make it just super, you know, it's not a free for all, but I, for me, what has helped is to like, not call it a dessert, call it ice cream call it a cookie, call it a brownie and just normalize it, put it on the plate and kind of be done with it. And I have found many times that that is perfectly satisfying for them, right? Often, you know, sometimes, you know, they're going to want more or whatever. Um, But oftentimes I find if you just put it on their plate with them, they don't ask for it. Like they may pick at it a little bit. Sometimes they may not even finish it all, but then they're also eating the rest of it. So just like incorporating it with the rest of their meal has been helpful for me. Um, But again, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they get way more than I like, especially on the weekends, but I try to just, my goal is for them to have a healthy relationship with food, all foods. Um, And for me, you know, my brain tells me if I make it a big thing, it's going to be a big thing. And I just want them to have a normal relationship with all types of foods. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so good, especially with girls, you know, you think about that even more, you know, um, just mm -hmm. really being aware of, you know, the body image thing starts so young now and just making sure, yeah, there's that healthy relationship with all foods. I love the way that you put that. Um, and it's something really I need to work on better. Cause I definitely talk about, well, that's more of a treat. Like, or if we eat that, let's have some protein with it. I try to talk to them about like the different nutrients in it, but I know it also, I don't want to make them go the other way where it's like this yes. forbidden thing. So then they have to overdo it when they do do it. Cause they don't know when they're going to get it again. Right. Right. Um, right. I did kind of like COVID because we, you know, when they weren't going to school, weren't going to birthday parties, I had so much more control over it. Now I feel like it's a freaking free for all this. Like we had like three birthday parties in a row this past weekend. And I just had to like, you know, shut my eyes. And my kind of rule is, you know, if you go to a birthday party, you can have one like treat basically, or one dessert. So, you know, if they're having pizza, that's fine. I don't really count that. But if there's sometimes there's like cupcakes 
and ice cream and candy. So I'm like, you know, just pick one of those things that you want to have. So kind of like that moderation piece, but it's so, I just think it's so tricky, especially when, um, as an, when you're an addict, you just really want to kind of protect them from that. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, making it too forbidden makes, you know, I do remember a kid that I went to school with whose parents were just like health nuts, you know, is what they were called at the time. And she'd come over to any kid's house that had like candy or treats and would just go nuts because right. she didn't have any access to it. So because it's like the forbidden fruit, right? Like I think exactly. Yeah, I struggle. I mean, I struggle with that balance. I think it's so hard. And I have one of my children is really sensitive to artificial dyes, mm-hmm. um, which makes birthday parties even more stressful for me because of the cakes. But um, so those are other things that we're navigating around. But I. I try to talk to them about like what the food does to the body, you know, like when they say I'm hungry, I want a piece of candy. I try to say like, well, that will give you a quick burst of energy. And I think what you may want is a longer burst of energy. So I try to, but I mean, like sometimes it's like talking to a wall, but I'm just thinking like they're, they're getting some of this messages. Like I'm not perfect, you know, like I'm not a perfect parent by any stretch, but I just, those are things I try to help. Uh, try to use some tools that I've tried to pick up. Um, and that repetition, you know, that sinks in, yes. for them, you know, right, and right. even watching what we eat, I think is even more powerful, like seeing what we eat, you know, and, and making those healthier choices. Like they're taking that all in, even if we don't think they are. So it does, I feel like hopefully over time, yes. <laughs> it will have some kind of, you know, good effect on them because they are, really yeah like I said just taking it all in at, at one time yes, so. yes for sure and I think I, I again I think um kids eat in color is such a great tool it helped me so much just kind of relax about if they only eat you know like rice for dinner I mean then they're only gonna eat rice for dinner like my job is to serve it their job is to consume it and like I find if I you know if I focus on my job and I stop stressing about their job it does help me because I think, and I've talked to other parents about this too. I think feeding kids is one of the most stressful parts of parenting. Um, it is yeah. so hard. Especially it with picky so eaters. Like I always say, I would allow my kids to eat more probably than I do treat wise or sweet wise. If, if they were like, had balanced it out with some other healthier things, you know, like, of course, kids like sugar right off the bat, you don't have to try that like seven times or whatever the thing is that how many times you have to try a food before you actually like it. Like, usually like cake is a one try you like it ice cream. But the veggies, you know, takes a lot of a lot of time. Broccoli is harder, right? Broccoli is harder. But enough times, you know, I remember the first time I I think it was my youngest, like ate broccoli on purpose. I was like, oh my gosh, like this happened. She ate broccoli on purpose. Like this is incredible. So I try to just, you know, I try to chill out about it, but it is, it is a spot that gives me anxiety. And I just try to work through that with my family and, um, you know, we're all just doing the best we can, right. We're all, and so much is outside of our control when they go to like grandparents or school is a big one where they get so much stuff. And I just tell myself, another thing I've been trying to tell myself is just control what we're doing at home. Like even that is good. Whatever they get outside the house is fine, you know, and whatever we can do, just make it as healthy as we can at home and continue to educate them. And I always say to them, like, you guys can do whatever you want when you're older. Like, 
if you want to eat candy all the time, I'm just trying to like teach you how to listen to your body too. Like, how does that feel after you eat that and making the connection? So I'm like, you guys are going to be in charge of your own bodies. I'm just, you know, trying to help you make it as healthy as, as possible. So it is, it's just so tricky though. Um, I think especially right now for parents, I just think it's harder than ever. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there and it's just hard to kind of sift through. And I think just like every person giving up sugar and flour, you have to find that like plan that works for you, that food plan that works for you. And then you, same thing with your kids, you just find something that works for your family, you know, and try not to compare yourselves, you know, to other people. Cause I find myself doing that too. Like you know, if I have friends whose kids eat like everything, you know, they eat kale and sushi. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like that's not my kids. Like, you know, it's yeah. going to be a little different yeah. for my family and trying not to compare too much. So, but that's incredible. What I do want to say is your kids are still really young. So they're already seeing you at this, you know, age of this is just the way my mom eats. Like my kids are just used to it now too, because you know, it'll be five years for me and my kids are now like nine and seven. So they were pretty young when it started. So I don't think they really have much memories, if any memories of me eating, you know, cake at a birthday or whatever. They just know that I don't do that. And it's really not, you know, that big of a deal to them. Like they're more curious about it now, but it's just like, "Mm, that's just the way mommy is. So right, right, right. Yeah, it's incredible what they absorb and um yeah, it's it's just such a journey, right? It's such a journey raising them and like trying to, you know, trying to learn new things as a parent, trying to unlearn things as a parent. And um so I, you know, I don't I can't imagine where I'd be right now if I just hadn't developed these tools and hadn't had the support of, you know, your, your workshops and then the constant support I still have of my small groups. Like I just, I, I, and of course my husband, right. Who's just doing this right along with me. And now, you know, our family is aware that this is how we eat and, you know, everyone seems to um, be fine with it. We still get a lot of questions like, you know, can you eat this? Can you eat this? So I was going to ask if you get any pushback at all from anyone in your life, because that's another big hurdle for a lot of people that are, you know, families might not be supportive and even be offensive, especially when it's so ingrained again in society, but our different cultures and stuff where it's almost like an insult that you're not eating great grandma's secret cake recipe or or whatever. So yeah. How, how have you been able to kind of navigate that? I think just being clear um, with people and, you know, I don't know that, you know, I certainly haven't told everyone in my life, right. That this is what I'm specifically doing. I just don't eat those foods. Um, and you know, I'm comfortable enough to just say, no, thank you. Or, you know, I'm fine today. Thank you. Um, but I think by and large people have been supportive and, um, I get a lot of, I couldn't do that. And I was the person that said that too. Like I couldn't do that, but I think, you know, if you're thinking about going on this journey, um, I would say, you know, you definitely have to do one meal at a time, right? One outing at a time, one day at a time. And, um, you know, I think Erica talked a lot about this on her episode too, which is such a great episode, but the idea of like, 
not today, right? Not today. Try not to think about what your next birthday will be like or what the next holiday will be like. Just focus on today. And that whenever I felt overwhelmed and I felt way more overwhelmed in the beginning, like, you know, the first 30 days are hard. The first 30 days of anything are hard. Um, And, you know, there were certainly some challenges. I certainly went through you know, what we'll call withdrawal, right? Like I was grumpy and mean. And like, I remember those feelings and I, you know, um, journaling about them and just, I did appreciate at the time that it was temporary. And I knew I just had to get through that hurdle. And I would say every day after the first 30 days, every day has got a little bit easier, right? And now it really is second nature. Like I do think, you know, I don't have as much of a range that I would like. Like I do kind of stick to a core group of foods right now. And I, I think the thing I'm excited about, you know, going forward in this, the second year is just expanding the things that I make, um, you know, being more adventurous with foods that I haven't eaten a lot of and, you know, just trying to incorporate new recipes and meals and even food types um, into my diet. I think that's what I'm excited about for, for year two. Yeah. I love that. Cause it does kind of change and evolve like what you can eat, you know, mm-hmm. today might be different than what you eat tomorrow and what feels safe right now you can expand on, or yes. it might be like for a lot of women, like, you know, especially in those perimenopausal years, like then you might not be able to eat as many grains as you were or whatever it is, but it right, all is right. different for everybody. And I think what comes with even before a year, but definitely with that year, it's just more confidence and not freaking out. Like you talk about, oh my gosh, I accidentally had bacon with sugar in it. uh, Now I've ruined everything. It's more like, oh, okay. Like, you know, that didn't seem to trigger me. That was okay. And like, just kind of collecting that data for yourself of what you can eat and not eat and being more comfortable, I guess, experimenting and not feeling so yeah, like rigid. So I I think that that the freedom that I feel now in like, if I have something that, you know, has sugar in it or something like that, like I like, cause there's no way I've been perfect the whole year. Right. I, I would never want anyone to think that this has been a perfect year, but what it has been is a year of steady, right? I have been steady. And if I've, you know, had something with flour in it, um, I don't derail, like I don't lose it. Um, I, I just steer the course right back. Um, I will say the one, you know, I've been able to experiment with a couple of things, not a lot, right? But a couple of things. Um, but the one thing that I know is my danger zone is when sugar and flour combine. I just know for myself, I can't even, um, I can certainly be around it. Like I don't have that issue, but I know that if, if there's a bite that goes in, like that's a bad spot for me. So I do, I am able to hold that boundary, um, which for me feels really good. Like I know that, that this is not safe for me. Um, and I'm able to pretty confidently avoid that. Certainly there are days, right. Where a cookie sounds great, but like nothing that is loud in my brain. Um, so, you know, finding other things to enjoy, um, is kind of a fun adventure, right. Trying to find things that are safe, uh, for me, 
Um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy finding those hidden gems of things that like, oh, this is, you know, what I'll call compliant and also like kind of a, a good adventure food, right? It's a good, I don't want, I don't like saying the word treat, but like, you know, yeah, yeah, splurge, I guess. Yeah. So what else would you say, like, you know, really helped you? Cause I always talk about like giving the food up is such a small part of the journey or like, you know, the food plan. There's so much more that is like the self-care part of it and replacing those habits. And what are some like strategies or tools in your toolkit that you have found really helpful for you for kind of staying on track? Well, one, this is rather small, but in, in hindsight, but in, when you said, you know, I, you gave the example once of eating a banana and making sure that you paired it with protein. And that tool has been really helpful for me because like a banana is like an easy thing to grab on the go and also like tastes good. Um, but you talked about the idea that those are like quick bursts of energy, right? That they can be quick and that pairing it with a protein, like some cashews or putting it with peanut butter, um, that that can help balance it out. And I have found that to be very true for me. And so that, that tip has always been helpful, like to pair like a fruit with a protein an apple with a protein. Um, that's been a really good go-to making sure that I always have something nearby that I can eat. Um, not getting too hungry. That's helped me keep going, finding substitutes for things like the creamer. Um, you know, I do, enjoy, I mean, I, I still eat dairy. Um, dairy has been, um, a helpful tool. I will say, I, I think, and sometimes it can be a crutch, but it is a tool. Um, and then just having, like a community of people that I can reach out to and talk to, um, you that know, like talk, get it. You yeah, know. totally, yeah. totally get it. So my husband, um, you know, my friends, my small group, those folks who are just completely understand what I'm doing and, um, have been there too. Like we're able to laugh about some of these, you know, <laughs> you know, these things that happen in this journey and, um, that support, I, I don't know that I could have ever done it alone, right? If I would have just in a silo said, I'm going to give up sugar and flour, there'd have been no way I would not have had the accountability, um, the support, the resources, the ability to ask questions, the ability to like celebrate the ability to like work through, um, certain things. So that, that by far has been the most important tool that I've had. And just learning from other people, like even when I still do the groups, like I, I, I'm so inspired by everyone and, and I learn something every single time. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. So it's really, yeah. Um, is there any other like unexpected benefits or surprises that have come out of this journey for you, just out of curiosity? I think the biggest relief is really just the quietness in my brain. Um, that for me is something I, I just couldn't imagine having before. I couldn't imagine planning a day without thinking about where we will stop for a snack. Right now, now I think about where we're like, where can I get a coffee? Right. <laughs> or something like that. Or what park is open? Um, 
or who can I call on this drive rather than, you know, thinking about where can I stop? So um, that has been the biggest benefit for me. Um, Physically, there's been some benefits, um, but I'm shocked at how little I value that, um, the physical changes. I'm shocked at how at peace with my body I am. Um, I would have never thought that that could be true or real, that I am just literally at peace. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just remarkably grateful, um, that I called Erica that day. (laughs) I'm always grateful when I call Erica, but specifically that I called her that day and she was generous enough to share this journey with me. Um, because I think I would have been in a very different place today than I am now. So I'm just grateful. I think that's the over the overarching theme is just gratitude that I went on this journey, gratitude that I've had the support system to stay on this journey, um, and gratitude that I have the tools to continue on the journey. Um, I think that's that's how I'm navigating, just with gratefulness. I love that since this will air, we're in November and this will air right after Thanksgiving. So it's really good theme that gratitude. And I still feel that gratitude too, so much every single day, you know, it's just been a really hard year for me. And I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I did not have my recovery. So every single day I am really, that has not, it still feels like a miracle, you know, and I, I have a little something celebrated for my five-year sugarversary. And I'm just like, I can't believe it's been like, I never thought I'd get there. So yeah, I think the gratitude is so important. Um, And I love that benefit of like, you know, I agree the mental chatter, number one, and a big, big, big um, for me was wanting to lose weight. But like you said, that was barely like the physical stuff. It still is a positive, of course, but it's not in the same way I thought it's more that I love and accept my body. I'm comfortable in my own skin in a way that I never was before. I never thought I'd be able to be. Um, And that kind of goes along with the mental chatter. I think too, if not before I had just had a lot of thoughts about my body um, and, you know, wanting to change that and change this and da, 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 da. So that's all really gone too, which is again, like nothing short of a miracle when I think about it. So, well, for people listening and we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Is there anything else like that you want to, want to share or um, any words of advice for maybe people that are listening and especially people that are struggling as we're now in approaching, you know, in, in the, the holiday season. Yeah. I would say, um, have faith in yourself, um, that with the right tools that this, this really could be a beautiful journey for you. Um, it won't be easy in the beginning. It really won't. But if you can get a community, one or two people, right um, to support you and to go on this journey and use the tools, right. That you have here through the podcast and through your coaching. Um, it really can be miraculous. Um, and so I would say, you know, I had a long, slow goodbye with sugar and flour and that was okay. Like, I felt like that was what I needed. Um, but 
I would have never believed me either um, when I say that like, you really can do this. You really can, you know, quiet your mind and sort of free your mind from this um, and just, you know, bet on yourself, right? Just trust yourself and trust the process. And, you know, if it feels right for you, go for it. I love that so much. And I am so proud of you that you've been through this year. And I love the gratitude for, you know, and the tools that you have, but also looking ahead to like, okay, what's year two going to bring? Oh, I want to kind of expand a little bit. So I think we're going to have to do a, you know, check in at year two, because I yes. do think from my own experience, each year has brought something different about. So I yes. love being able to check back in. So thank you again so much for, for sharing your story today. Thank you so much. Like I am, I'm forever grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.